Well, we are in our next to last week of these 40 days of prayer that we're taking. And when we started this series, we started by talking about the holiness of God, that God is, is in heaven and that, that there are seraphim and angels that, that, that sing and, and pray and praise over him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That God is so set apart and so just anything beyond that we could think of or imagine and so perfect. And yet we come to him and we are not perfect and we are unholy and we're broken. And the more that we come into his presence, the more that we're around him, the more that we understand how messed up and how much we need him. And that as we spend time in his holiness, that it brings us to a place of repentance, of, of seeing our own sinfulness and confessing that to God and, and having a heart desire to change and, and to be more like him. And the more that we do that, the more that we're uh, able to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. The, the more that we have uh, the ability to be close to God because we have taken down some of the barriers that we've put up between us and God. And so as we become more filled with the Holy Spirit, we're able to do what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. When he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we talked about that a little bit last week, that Jerusalem is kind of our, in our context, is our community. And then Judea is sort of the surrounding area around our community, the surrounding counties, the the you know whole region of Southeast Ohio of people that are like us, but are just maybe a little bit further away in distance. But today we're going to talk about our Samarias. Now in Jesus' time, Samaria was a place that was pretty close in location, but very different culturally, very different. Uh, as far as beliefs and, and how they live their lives. And so in our sort of context, our Samaria would be people who are in our area, but people who are not like us, people who come from a different culture, uh, different people group, different values, in, in essence, marginalized people. Our Samaria are people that are for whatever reasons, sort of on the margins, are kind of outside what we're, quote-unquote, used to. They're people that so often get set aside or forgotten. And it's funny how, you know, God will give you little lessons in those kinds of things. That You know, just a, a couple weeks ago, God kind of showed me where maybe I operate with a little bit of, of prejudice in my life that I didn't even know that was there. It, and it wasn't huge. It wasn't anything that was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a hypocrite or anything like that. It was just a little, you know, how sometimes the Holy Spirit will just give you a little bump and be like, hey, you know, check this out. Uh, so I'll tell you the story. The, the, a couple weeks ago, I was fixing the bathroom sink, 
and I was replumbing it a little bit, and I needed a part. And so we happened to be up in Lancaster, and, and I thought, well, you know what? Uh, we'll stop at Lowe's. I'll get this part that I need. And uh, so I'm in the plumbing section looking for this part, and I'm looking. I mean, we've gone up and down the aisles. I can't find it. And I see this guy coming over from, you know, from Lowe's, and he's in the plumbing department. I'm like, oh, you know, great. Well, we'll be able to get some help. But then I notice he's got a dog with him. And so, so all of a sudden, you know, like already my, uh, like this was sort of the first check in the spirit because I saw him and, and I instantly turned into my, in my head, like into this like old crotchety grumpy old man. And I was like, oh, a support animal. In my day, we just, we just lumped it and we just were miserable and we didn't have to have dogs and cats and baby horses to, you know, make us feel better. And, and then, and I was like, but no, I like, then I, you know, I know people that have support animals and it really does help. And so I was like, okay, he has a support animal. And so he came over and I was like, hey, man, I'm looking all over. I just need this one shut off for a three quarter inch, blah, blah, blah here, you know, and I gave it to him. And as I was handing it to him, I realized the guy is blind, that it's a, a seeing eye dog. And I was like, and as I was doing it, I was like, oh gosh, like, I, you know, if I would have known he was blind, I probably wouldn't have given that to him and said, hey, can you find this thing for me? And so I handed it to him. He, he felt it real quick. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just over here. We, he walks me over two aisles. He's kind of, you know, keeping his hands on the side of the, on the, on the different racks. And he stops. He feels that. Nope, that's not what you want. Nope, that's not what it, Yep, here you go. That's exactly what you're going to need. And I mean, he was exactly right. It was perfect. And my mind was completely blown. I, like, I was like, and Bethany's kind of laughing because the blind guy can find the things that I can't find. And, and I'm kind of like my kids in that way. Sometimes I'll tell my kids like, hey, go look for this thing. And they're like, I don't, I, I don't know where it is. And then you walk in their room and you're like, it's right there. Uh, so that was kind of me. And and Nathan Evans, uh, Donna's husband, was 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 at church the next day, and I went up and I was like, "There's this guy who's at Lowe's and he's blind. It's amazing. He walked me right where." It, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he blows people's minds over there all the time." He's like, "He really knows. Like he like when they stock the shelves, he like goes around and memorizes the whole thing, and he's he's amazing." Um, and and. You know, it, it was just one of those things where, uh, like, like I said, I, I, I was, I was amazed at how how knowledgeable he was. He knew everything that knew better than I did. He knew where to find everything. But it was just this little check in my spirit where it was like, you know, if if I would have known he was blind, I would have probably looked for somebody else. And it was just a little thing where you know, the Holy Spirit kind of like nudged me and, and, you know, I felt like a dope and, and the Holy Spirit went, well, yeah, a little bit. Like, and, and it sort of just made me recognize that sometimes, you know, even though I, I would never think of myself like as a prejudiced person or anything, but just that maybe sometimes I do judge books by their covers. That sometimes maybe I, I can be a little quick to set people aside if I just don't see the potential right off. And so it's just something that, I, you know, I think about every once in a while. I've, I've been praying through. 
And I mean, we, we all do that to a degree. You know, that's why your mom always told you if you're going on a job interview, dress up nice. You know, if, if you go into a, a job interview wearing pajama pants and a stained up t-shirt that says, I'm not as thick as you drunk I am, you know, you're, versus going into a job interview with like, you know, a nice maybe khakis and a dress shirt and a tie, you're probably going to do a little bit better at that, you know, if you're dressed up because we make judgment calls on people based on what we see. And, I mean, everybody's that way. But it's a little bit different when we start assigning value to people based on what we perceive. It's one thing to go, well, you know, that person's probably not going to do as good of a job for me. But it's a different thing when we look at a person and say, that person has less value. And we, in our culture... We do that all the time, even our, in our supposed wokeness. If you ask our culture, look at our culture, look around our culture, who has more importance, a celebrity or a homeless person? Who has more value? Who, who has more value in our culture? Someone driving a Tesla or someone driving a Taurus? Who would you trust easier? Someone who lives on Gallagher Street down by Dollar General? That's my neighborhood. Or, or someone who lives maybe out behind the golf course in a really nice house out there? Who, who is more worthy of your time? Someone walking out of a bar? Or someone walking out of a church. You know, it's interesting as I was praying just this week, and I didn't even, wasn't even really thinking about today's message or anything. I was just praying and I was just praying and I, and I kept saying, Lord, just help me to be more like Jesus. Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. I, there's way too much of me in me. Just help me to be more like Jesus. And, and again, the, the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me and, and said, really? You really want to be more like Jesus? Because look at where Jesus spent most of his time and the people that Jesus spent most of his time ministering to. Who was it? It was the people on the margins the blind, the lame, the deaf, people with all kinds of handicaps, demon-possessed, poor, drunk, prostitutes, tax collectors, Samaritan women, lepers, sinners, people who weren't allowed to go even into the temple, a woman caught in adultery, little kids that kept wanting to see Jesus and the disciples kept saying, no, 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 don't bother him. Look at some of the things Jesus said. In Matthew 9, uh, 11 and 12, it says, When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. In Matthew 25, 35 and 36, Jesus said, For I was hungry, 
and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Well, who, who are those people? Uh, the hungry, the, the thirsty, the stranger, the person without clothes, the person who is sick, the person who is in prison. All of those people are marginalized people. And he says, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. But it's not just Jesus who had a heart for the people on, on the margins. It, it's, that's the whole heart of God. If you look in Isaiah, God says, learn to do right. And this is 117. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. I mean... Think about our culture today, the fatherless and the widow. It's kind of like our single moms and the kids that are growing up with, without dads. Deuteronomy 10.19, God says, And you are to love those who are foreigners, because you were foreigners in Egypt. In John, 1 John 3.17, it says, that If someone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? You know, that's something I've been praying through lately is, Lord, just help me to be more compassionate. In Luke chapter 14, in verses 12 to 14, it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner... Do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I mean, even there, you can see God's heart for people on the margins. You see Jesus' heart when you see Jesus ministering while he was here. And yet so often we pray, Lord, help me to be more like Jesus while we so rarely find ourselves ministering to the people that he would minister to and going to the ones that he told us that we should go. So often, the people Christians minister to is other Christians, people who come to church. That's where so much of our ministry, a lot of times, is, is our, we, it's Christians ministering to Christians. But does that sound more like Jesus, or does that sound more like Pharisees? It makes me ask the question to myself, do I have the heart of Christ? Do I really want to be like Jesus? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. He said, don't turn them away. 
because so often kids are seen as, as less value, that, that they'll be better when they're older. Teenagers are seen as like, uh, okay, but they're kind of a pain, you know? But Jesus said, let the little kids come. Let the, let the teenagers come. You know, Jesus said that, but here at church, we have to scratch and, and beg and plead to get people to work in children's church. You know, we're, we're desperate for, for youth leaders. And so, again, are we ministering to the marginalized, the ones that are kind of on the side? How, how are you, in what ways are you, not, not how are we as a church, but how are you caring for widows and orphans? I mean, yes, that's something that we we're called to, to do as a church, but that's something that, that the Bible pretty clearly states is something that each of us individually are supposed to do. How are you caring for single moms and, and kids that are growing up without dads in today's world. I, I just read a statistic this week that one in four kids live without any kind of father figure in their home. How are they being ministered to? We, we live in a, a culture in, in, that has an epidemic of grandparents raising their grandkids. How are we reaching out and ministering to them. How, how, how are you, how am I ministering to those who are hungry, who are thirsty? Who, who are you inviting in? You know, and I know that's kind of hard in the COVID era, but when was the last time you invited someone to be a part of your life? When was the time, last time you invited someone into your home who needed a place to stay? How do you love the foreigners among us? In a year of this virus, in a year of nationwide anger and nationwide reactions to all kinds of different things going on, nationwide reactions to racism and to politics and to elections and to a new president, in a year of deeper isolation than we've ever known before, as more and more people slide to the margins in despair and in hopelessness and in depression and in anger, what are you doing to minister to them? To all those people that you disagree with on social media, what are you doing to minister to them and, and, and to pray for them? When you, when you read somebody say, says something on social media that makes you mad, when was the last time you prayed for them? How do you minister to and how do you pray for people who are in prisons, like Jesus said? Maybe a place that you have some prejudice and some bias are to people who are in jail. How do you minister and pray for those that are sick or that sickness has pushed them 
to the margins? How do you minister and pray to people who have special needs? Physical special needs, mental special needs. See, those are just some of our, our Samarias. And you don't have to minister to all of them, but God has called each one of us to a Samaria. And they're not just places that we've been called to serve as a church organization. They're, they're places that we have been called to as individuals. So what does your Samaria look like? And I'll tell you, all too often, I'm kind of like the Jews were in Jesus' day that just kind of walked around Samaria. Because in Jesus' day, a lot of times, depending on where you were going, the road went through Samaria, but they would take the road around Samaria because they just didn't want to deal with it. We just didn't want to have to deal with the Samaritans. Too often I find myself taking the road around Samaria just because I don't want to deal with the drama and the extra work and the stress and all the things that sometimes Samaritans bring with them. But check this out. In John chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, when Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well in Samaria, it says this. It says, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Verse 4 says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. He didn't have to go because Samaria was the only road. He had to go because that's where the gospel need was. What Samaria are maybe you missing? Let me ask, where does your bias color how you view people? How do maybe some of your biases affect how you treat and pray for and minister to certain people? I don't know. Maybe, maybe just take a second. Close your eyes. Just make it a, a short moment of prayer. Ask God. Father, how, how are there biases in my life that affect how I treat people? Who, who are the people that I will walk around? Where are my biases? a good question just to pray through sometime. Spend some time. Just ask the Lord, where where, where are my biases keeping me from being like Jesus? Does our heart reflect the heart of God? But where do we we start? What's the first step in, in ministering to the people on the margins to the Samaritans to having the heart of God for them. 
Well, we said it before, we said at the beginning of this, that a lot of times the thing that we say in, in the Alliance is that the first work is prayer. That before we do any of, uh, of these things, before we get into any of these ministries, or before we go to a, any certain, the place that it starts is prayer. It, and this, this is a series about prayer. And so uh, Jesus tells a parable, and, and, and I think we, from, the, from it we can grab three things to pray for when it comes to going to our Samarias. And so Jesus tells this parable in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. It says that Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who would have been on the margins. And a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time, this judge refused. But he finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about what people think, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me, so just leave me alone. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes... Will we find faith on earth? As we pray for people that are on the margins, as we see God's direction on maybe even how to put that into action and minister to those people, it's real easy to give up. It's real easy to start praying for them but then just be like, ah, oh, they're not going to change. Ah, oh, they're not going to do it. Ah, oh, they're not going to respond and give up. When it's not a people that we think about often, it's not a people that we pray for often. And so many times it's just easier not to think about those people. It's just easier not to think about the homeless. It's just easier not to think about the, the drug addicted. It's just easier not to think about fill in your blank. And when we're not thinking about them, we're not going to pray for them. So the first thing that Jesus starts by doing is just teaching them that prayer takes persistence. That prayer is something you have to keep on doing. You have to keep on after it. You have to keep thinking about it and keep praying for them. I don't know how many times there have been people that I've prayed for. But then after a while, I think, man, I haven't prayed for them in a long time. You know, it was like, well, I didn't see anything. I didn't 
see God was doing anything. Now, how do I know that? I don't know their heart. But it's like, I don't see God doing anything, so I just stop praying for him. Prayer takes persistence. When it comes to people and praying for people on the margins and ministering to people on the margins, it takes persistence. It, It takes patience. It takes endurance. And it takes keeping on praying. It says that Jesus told this, his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So if you're praying today and you're discouraged, let me encourage you, keep praying. It's funny, I wrote that earlier this week. And if you're discouraged, let me encourage you, keep praying. I needed that today. I was, I was looking at, you know, this morning I woke up and I was just kind of discouraged. And, and I read that and it was like a note I wrote to myself previously in the week. The Lord must have known I needed it. And if you're discouraged, keep praying. It says that, you know, this judge, he's this terrible guy and this lady keeps coming to him, coming to him, coming to him. And it says... For some time, he refused, but he finally said to himself, look, even though I don't care about God, I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night while we keep putting them off? I tell you, you'll see that they get justice and and justice quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will we find faith on the earth? It's interesting that he finishes that by talking about faith. The second thing that Jesus teaches is that when you're praying, to keep praying, but to keep praying in faith. You know, we've talked about this different times, that so often God will answer a prayer and then we're surprised by it. That, That God will answer a prayer and we'll be like, I didn't see that coming. You know, we'll pray and we'll pray and we'll pray and we'll pray. And then all of a sudden, God does something and things change. And you're like, how'd that happen? Like, this is a miracle. And, but we forget that it's something we've been praying about for like a long time. Because so often, we, we don't pray in expectation that God will move. If we're honest... Most of us, many times, we pray not in faith, but we pray in doubt. You know, we pray and we kind of say, Lord, please help this situation. And then we don't really expect anything to come of it. We pray, Lord, help this person. Uh, But I don't think, you know. It would take a miracle. 
You know, I, I can think about people in my life that, you know, I pray for them. But honestly, if things changed, I would be completely shocked. You know, are we praying in faith that God's actually going to do something, that our prayers are actually going to work? So that, you know, that's the question. Are we, are we praying in faith or are we praying in doubt? Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When we're praying for those people on, on the margins, are we praying in faith? When we're praying for that friend or family member who's addicted to drugs, are we praying in faith that God's going to deliver that person? Are we praying, you know, God, please help them? Yeah, that's not like, and then kind of go, oh, I don't know what's, what, what, I don't know what's ever going to get through to that guy. You know, when we pray for people that are in prisons, when we're praying for our kids, when we're pray, are we praying with the expectation and, and the faith that says, I'm praying, so God's going to do something. And when, when God does something, we go, well, of course he did, because I've been praying about it. Or do we come at it and praying in doubt, saying, God, I pray for this person, and then walk away going like, but I don't see how God's going to fix the, the homeless people in town. They, they, you know, part of the problem is they want to be homeless. Does that sound like a prayer of faith? And finally, Jesus teaches us to be listening for the Lord's voice because he might just call you to do more than pray. This this widow in this story, she could have just prayed, Lord, help deliver me from my enemies. Help, Lord, help me deliver. But, but she went and acted on it. And sometimes God calls you to do more than just pray. He calls you to go. So be listening for God's voice as you pray for people on the margins because God might just send you to them. He might be calling you to act. Could it be that the place that Jesus is calling you to go minister to are to people on the margins? Could it be that the, the people that God is calling you to are maybe over there in children's church right now? Could it be the people that are calling you to are going to be here tomorrow night at youth group? Could it, could it be that the people that God are calling you to are, are camped out behind Kroger right now? Could it, could it be that the people that God are calling you to are people that are in prison and need somebody to visit them and share the hope of Jesus with them? Could, could it be that the people that, that God are calling you to are, are to people who are struggling with addiction? Or, or people that, that just need a friend because they're lonely. I don't know. 
But, but let me tell you, if, if this pandemic, pandemic has done anything, it has pushed more and more and more people out to the margins. More and more people are lonely. So as you're praying in faith, be listening for God's voice because he might just call you to do more than pray. He might be calling you to act. And could it be that the place where you find Jesus, that, that you've been looking for Jesus for a long time, and you look for Jesus in lots of things, but could it be that the place where you end up finding Jesus it is on the margins with marginalized people? In Psalm 34, 18, it says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If today, if you are a brokenhearted person, scripture promises that God is close by. You, you may not feel it. And you, you may be wondering if it's true, but but... But scripture says that God is close to brokenhearted people. But if God is close to brokenhearted people, if you go to brokenhearted people, you're going to be going where Jesus is because he's close to the brokenhearted. Could it be that Jesus is calling you not just to Pray for the people on the margins and not to go and maybe just like minister a little bit to the people on the margins, but to go live in the margins yourself because that's where Jesus is operating. That's where he's called you to minister to. is maybe the reason that we're not regularly in the margins helping people and serving people. It maybe is the reason that we're not praying in faith for the people on the margins. Is that maybe because we've got a bias in our heart that is keeping us from going there? That we've got maybe some prejudice, some, some prejudged ideas about what those kind of people are like. And so we don't pray with faith for them. And, and yeah, we'll help them out here and there a little bit, but, but we don't minister in the margins because maybe we don't really see the value there. But, but what if... When we go there, that's where we find Jesus. Ask anybody who's ever gone on a missions trip, ever. Ask them, when you were on your missions trip, who got ministered to more? You, the people that you went to serve or you? I, there's different people who have been on missions trip in here. I'd say most of everybody would say, oh, I get way more ministry to me than the people that I go to minister to. 
Why is that? Because that's where Jesus is. Look, I, you can find Jesus in church. I find Jesus in church all the time. But when you go to the people and the places where Jesus was and, and he was with when he was here on earth, you find Jesus in a special way there. Could it be that God is calling you to go and find yourself living in those places being with those people like Jesus was with those people. And in that place, you'll find Jesus like you've never found him anywhere else. Be listening for the Lord's voice because he might just be calling you to do more than pray. An Alliance pastor, a friend of John and I's, had a great quote on, on Facebook the other day. And it just fits so well. He said, Have the places of noisy words, reputation, wealth, comparison, respectability, power, and influence left your soul weary and wanting more? Flee to the margins. Count yourself among those who live there. Not as one over them, but as one of them. Name yourself among the poor, lonely and forgotten. Go not to fix anyone or anything, but to confess your own neediness to your brothers and sisters and find Jesus. When you do, you position yourself to receive good news for your tired soul. Because Jesus is anointed to preach good news to the poor. When you count yourself as poor without shame, your ears will be open to hear the life-giving sermon he's preaching to your weariness. Could it be that when we go to the margins and, and we find out that that's where Jesus is, because that's where Jesus goes, and, and we, when we get there, that we are ministered to. Maybe God's going to call you to do more than just pray. Maybe not. So lastly, listen for the Lord's calling. As you pray, Lord, help me to be more like Jesus. Let's pray.